Ruby. Well, Miles, thanks for taking the time to do this. Massively appreciate it. First things first, man. How's your day going? Uh, it's good. It's going good. Um, just really excited for this album launch in two days' time. It's just been a long time coming and uh, just a mixture of emotions, really. Excitement, a bit of anxiety, but um, the reviews have been really cool looking through them. And uh, yeah, just the whole band's just really, really psyched about it. What do you prefer? Do you prefer reading sort of press reviews, your reviews, your pre-reviews, all that sort of stuff that you do get, or what will come afterwards, which and probably take a couple of weeks to fully settle, comments? Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's an interesting one, really. I mean, I think because this is only our second release, I do find the official, you know, preview reviews um, very special. I mean, Metal Hammer gave us eight out of 10, and as someone who grew up, reading Metal Hammer uh, to like now be in it with uh, a score like that is 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 very surreal to say the least. Um, but even, you know, that there have been some, you know, smaller publications that have been quite critical of it. And, you know, for me, as long as it's constructive, I take it on board. I think it's a part of the creative process. Um, I've got a lot to learn. And funnily enough, um, our debut album about 10 years ago, um, Metal Hammer, um gave it i think a six out of ten and said that um the music was fantastic and i actually recorded the drums on it at the time uh our vocalist left and then um luke came on board as a singer didn't scream so that was when i went from drums to lyrics and screaming and we did the lyrics then in about three months uh and recording it and we'd never done it like we'd never professionally recorded vocals before and so when the review came out and said the vocals had let it down it hurt yeah. reading that in Metal Hammer, but straight away I was like, no, I, I agree with that. And, you know, you work on it. And so to come back and to have comments uh, from Metal Hammer saying that, that the vocals are great and stuff like that, it, it feels like a bit of a redemption arc. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not bitter about it. So when there's criticism and it's constructive, you can take. But the, the latter part of your question, obviously the fans and the supporters that are really going to let it breathe in a less... Um, clinical way not to say that reviewers are necessarily more clinical but you know they, they listen to so much music and you know I've got friends that review in the game industry and I'm a huge gamer and I kind of feel sorry for them because it's like they get into a game and then they have to go on to the next one yep. and so they don't really get to immerse themselves as much as they'd like to and so I think hearing that from the fans is going to be really exciting as well. I love that you made a comparison to games because, you know, we, our website covers three major areas, games, horror and heavy metal. And the one we lack the most in is gaming. And this is simply because we're fans and the idea of having to go boom, 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 throw it to the side to the next one, we just gave up with. But when you know what, we'll review when we want to review it. because That's, that's exactly it. And I think that's the best. And, and, and horror, gaming and, and, and metal are three of my favourite things. So, yeah, I was really, really psyched about this. <laughs> it's a Venn diagram. It's easy to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got to talk about the last two years then, though. Personally, on a personal level, how you've been holding up pandemic period? Yeah, um... So, so the last five years, I've been a, a freelancer and I work a lot remotely by myself anyway. And I remember that when the um, pandemic started, it was kind of like a full start at a hundred meter sprint. I was like, I've got this. And then very quickly, I was like, oh my goodness, I've not got this. And I felt cabin fever really quickly. Um, and yeah, it was very, very difficult. I think when the second lockdown, I was a bit more prepared. Um, and yeah, it's just been very discombobulating. I mean, for the band we finished recording a week before the, the, the virus hit the country. Uh, mm -hmm. So we were very lucky on timing. Um, 
and it's just been a lot of gymnastics for everyone you know um and as you say on a personal note it's um it's been chaotic yeah um but actually you know music and hobbies and that tends to be a really nice glue but I can't remember how long it was until we actually met in person but it was absolutely months and months because obviously we were talking about stuff on zoom calls um we had music video shoots planned uh, that we just delayed or cancelled not because we weren't legally allowed to do them we were legally but we just felt ethically at a time when people were making so much sacrifice you know you can even talk about the optics of it we just felt it wasn't it didn't sit well with us to do it and so it was a reason why after such a long time and finally having this album recorded we then had to wait another I think it's like two years now uh, it's crazy to think that since the beginning of the pandemic to get it out but you know good things come to those who wait and um you know we feel we've we've, we've gone about it the right way Considering what you said there with the ethics side of things, I just want to come back to that. Um, as you watched uh, band adapt, and we're talking from the biggest to the smallest, adapt to lockdowns and not being able to do what uh, we normally would, and start introducing, say, live streams, starting off small to eventually quite large, high production events and videos and more social media activity. Did that kind of change your, your way of thinking? Or did you kind of just say, no, we've gone this far, but we'll just stick with it until hopefully we're out of the gloom? That's a tough one, really, because I think everyone was doing a bit of that. Um, I, I think that obviously bands that are more established have that momentum anyway. You know, they might have labels and they have commitments. Um, a lot of them had big shows already planned that then got delayed. And so you've, you're constantly in that chicken or egg where it's like, yeah. well, we've got to keep announcing stuff because eventually it's going to happen and we don't know when. For us, um, this album has been a bit of a reboot for us. So I think yeah. it did give us the the maybe novelty is not the right word, but kind of the, the privilege of at least saying we, we can, we can, you know, fire the starting pistol when we're ready. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of bands have been smart about it. And as you say, the use, the, the, the use of tech with these like live streams and that, I think it's been amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, we've, we've definitely found like when you're trying to build hype towards something, and especially when we're sort of reintroducing ourselves to a lot of people, it's been very difficult unless we get out there. And so when we did a tour in November of last year, it was just three dates. Yeah. We had to cancel our hometown show because some of the band got COVID on that tour, annoyingly. Um, but in those three dates alone, it was just some of the best time ever because um, we were up north and we were at places where they didn't get a lot of bands coming through um from our end especially at our sort of size and so um that was a really nice thing uh, and because our album is all about connection mm. um it seems to have been emphasized a lot by the nature of the pandemic it was all written and recorded before the pandemic but like as we were sort of thinking about the framing of how we present and conduct ourselves um it definitely i think was a good test of that it's almost weird choice of words I'm going to use here, but almost a happy accident that these the themes of the album, the connections and stuff like that, there will be a presumption without reading too much into it that this was written or worked on during the pandemic period because of that. But of course, you said it wasn't. Do you kind of see it that way? And I know it's a kind of grim thing to say. No, I, I mean, I, I was cautious not to use a similar term. Well, funny enough, and we're going back to gaming. So um, our opening main track, Voices, um, you know, that would have been written, I think, three or four years ago now. And uh, Voices is, is, is about the fact that throughout human history, voices have been used for good, been used for bad. That's the most simplistic sort of arching theme of it. Um, but within it, there are a lot of Easter eggs that were inspired by a computer game that I was very much in love with at the time, which was Death Stranding. 
oh, okay. Hideo Kojima. Um, I was playing a lot of that when I was writing the lyrics for the album. And so there's actually a lot of references to a lot of the um, philosophy behind his game. So there's like a line in Voices, we must swap these sticks for rope because Hideo Kojima talks in Death Stranding that a lot of games are all about the stick. It's about beating things away. Whereas Death Stranding is about bringing things towards you with the rope. Um, there's a lot of talk in the album um, about show all hands. Obviously hands is a big part of connection in Death Stranding. Um, but Hideo Kojima was laughed at at the time when he did that game of this. So it's a delivery person who's connecting the United States of America together in this like post-apocalyptic world where everyone is disconnected. That sounds so bizarre. And then what, you know, <laughs> even a year later, this pandemic hits where everyone's ordering off Amazon. And uh, it was this sense of, well, actually, Hideo Kojima did it yet again. So um, I, I would say that the um, coincidence kind of was uh, an interesting indirect reaction in that instance of, uh, of a game that had definitely sparked some interest uh, when, when piecing that together. You've also used the word a few times, reintroduction to the band. Why is it you feel that this is this, oh, dare I say, a restart or a re-energise of the band? <laughs> Um, I think it's just been a really interesting journey the last 10 years. And I mean, I would take two years off because of the pandemic. Um, there was a period where I had a head injury um, at work, which um, on one hand make, means I'm an official headbanger, but on the other, it was like um, we had to sort of put things on hold for, for a few years. Um, the debut album was written at a time uh, when our bassist, uh, Carl was the, the the composer, brilliant, brilliant composer, and he left after our uh, following um, demo. Um, and so we had some existential questions about, you know, where do we go from here? Can we do this ourselves? And then our guitarist Hugh took the mantle of composing um, and uh, we did three tracks, which ended up becoming on this album later down the line. So, you know, it has been quite a rocky journey the last 10 years. I don't feel that we perceived it at the time as rocky. It's just that when we look back, we're kind of like, yeah, it's taken us this long to do another album. But um, again, because we aren't tied to a label and we've conducted it by ourselves, it meant that we were able to take our time with it and find ourselves. And, you know, some people can do it very quickly. Others take their time more and... Um, Unity in Time, although it is about the themes of the album, uh, on reflection, we realise it's a bit of a statement about the band as well, that over time, uh, we have become much more unified as a band. We've become a much closer family. And, you know, every couple of years, we feel like we've never been closer. But then a, a couple of years later, you're like, wow, we've done it even again. And so as we went into this campaign and we sort of started talking about the music, not just as the music, you know, that we love to play and, you know, create cool artwork and merch for. And, you know, um, we, we, we talked about sort of the meaning behind it. And um, as a lyricist, um, as much as I love it that, you know, people read the lyrics and get their meanings from it. Ultimately, we write music to enjoy playing, for people to enjoy listening to. That is the priority. However, we also take pride in the fact that for those that want to look a bit deeper, there is something there. And sort of with my background with a lot of interest in activism around digital citizenship and um, whether it's about climate change or um, civil rights, anything, um, 
you know, I, I do like to use that as a platform for yeah. it. And so when we talked as a band for this album, we were like, we, we just never felt more bold about, no, this is what we stand for. Um, we are about connection. And um, Luke had actually written the lyrics uh, for one of the songs on this album, which was um, Pain Unknown. And that's about connection. It was about a relative um, close that he lost. Um, and so that was, it was like another part of the facet. It's like, we're all on the same page here. And so, um, yeah, we just felt that this coming together meant that, you know, we'd really <clears throat> finessed the direction we're going in. And so we were like, we're all, we're going all in on this, on this, um, you know, it's now or never. I love that in that you brought up pain and null, because I have a specific question about that a little further along. <laughs> Yeah, bit, just because awesome. I want to talk about a couple of other tracks. But before then, I mean, listen to everything you say. Seems like the band, come out of theory, you are stronger than ever now, having ridden the wave of the last decade, including the two years of, well, pandemic and COVID, and you've come out the other side stronger than ever. Yeah, no, we, we, we feel it. And um, the timeliness again of of the the messaging and how it's connected with the fans so far and as we're seeing in the last couple of months people stumbling across us mm. um because you know look you know we're, we're not gonna hide away from the reality which is we're not a well-known band mm. but we find that that's actually quite an exciting prospect which is there's so many people that can still discover us and i find that if we've managed to i'm going to use the term again finessed our sense of self as a band at a time when we haven't had huge exposure that puts us just in a right a great position to be a pleasant surprise to people <laughs> like wow how have I not heard of these guys before um but I would say like over the years whenever we've played live shows and that um we've always heard from either people in the industry or people that come to shows a sense of surprise of like haven't heard of you before and yet you conduct yourself so professionally and that's how we've always been and you know that might be due to failings of us and the way that we've uh, promoted ourselves before you know there's no doubt going to be some of that but we also think it is because of again all these things that we've gone through um over the years and and now that we're at this coming together point um we're able to fire from all cylinders i love it because I'm going to be bluntly honest with you, I was one of the people you're talking about in the sense that I wasn't aware of who you are. And of course, I've experienced this new album and um, as a reviewer, but also as just a fan of music, rock, metal and all in general, the term connection and understanding that really, really resonated with me. But there's some other stuff that really came through to me. One, one thing in specific, notably, and uh, it was a feeling that at times you're trying to describe us almost as a small speck of dust in the universe and that all that what we have, we should be protecting, of course. And obviously a track like Our Only Home is quite notable uh, lyrically and the thematically what you're doing there. Now, this stance, of course, that you want to take, this activist stance, do you feel confident in it, particularly when you're discussing and using a platform for what is a polarizing topic, even though it shouldn't be? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, you know, to, to sort of, you know, show a bit behind the scenes when we were discussing as a band, this album, some of the concerns that I think a lot of people relate to when it comes to exactly what you're talking about mm -hmm. is the sense of if you make a stand on something, you're going to be polarizing and maybe upset or, you know, cause a, a resistance or a, 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 um, a vehement dislike from some people. But the people that you do connect with 
and rally with, they're the ones that you want to connect with in the sense of like, they're the people that are going to like your music. So if you, if you want to connect with the people that are most in tune with your music and what you stand for, you've got to be bold about it. If you're not going to shout out about it, how are they going to hear you and how are you going to make those connections in this wide world? So that's a part of it. However, I have always, my background is I'm, I've been a veteran YouTuber. I started in 2006 when I was 18. I've just turned 35. So I've, I've done it for a long time, not so much anymore. But in the early days, um, when I started going into the activism space, it was less about the issues specifically. Of course, I talked about them, but it was more about the philosophy of activism. So a great mm. example would be slacktivism. Um, I've been, I was I think on Russia today many years ago, and they were asking me about people that sign petitions. That's slacktivism, is it? That's not really activism. How can people call that activism if they're just signing a petition? And my response is, it's a spectrum. If someone's first involvement in an issue they care about is signing a petition, that's great. Don't discourage it, but say next time you can do a bit more and you can do a bit more. Like it's all about small steps. Another example in the philosophy of activism is we are all fighting our own battles. If I don't share a petition or a tweet on a certain issue, you might get some people going, well, you don't care about this. You know, you were talking about these issues, but not as much as this issue. No, we only have so much time and energy in the day. And that is what society is. Society is we are all pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. And so we have to fight in different parts of this battlefield. And then the final thing I would say, which goes back to the point about polarization, is that I'm all about building common ground with people. I have friends and people I'm connected with who I vehemently disagree on, uh, disagree with issues on. But the misconception people have about building common ground is it's not about standing on the same ground by the end of it. The, the metaphor I always use is if you are on like a pond and you're both on two stepping stones at either side, building common ground is finding the stepping stones between you both. Not so that you end up dead in the middle, but you at least say, this is where I am. This is where you are. And these are the paths between us. So we can then work out how we can coexist in this space. Obviously, there are going to be some issues where there shouldn't be compromise on racism, stuff like that. Um, climate change is obviously something that is is indisputable. However, you need to bring people on side. Yep. You know, calling people ignorant and idiots um, is not going to give them a, a sense that you're in good faith. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, so when we did this, again, because the music is the most important part and the lyrics are secondary, um, we don't have that fear but also people that look a bit deeper. We're posing questions. We're not really, there are statements here and there, but they're, they're always, they're often quite rhetorical. You know, we're here to start conversations, yeah. not be like the full stop. You, you want people to think about things. Yeah. That. That's exactly, I mean, that is what education should be about. And I've, I've worked in education throughout my life um, in various forms. And most teachers in most schools would tell you this that you know, the idea of education shouldn't be about teaching kids or people what to think, but how to think. It's mm -hmm. to you know, create these critical faculties so that when they are given new information, they know how to deal with it. And that is an issue that we talk about on the album because we are bombarded with mass information. We have to sink or swim. You know, when we were younger, you'd get home from work, watch the six or 10 o'clock news for half an hour. Now I'm informed for the day. Thank you very much. Now you are drowning in it. Yeah. And so we need to be equipped with the cognitive tools to navigate that digital space.
has it always been this easy for you to express yourself or is it something that you've developed over the years and in regards to your bandmates about opening up and expressing themselves whether it be opinions thoughts on difficult subjects um so for me personally um I've, I've always been outspoken um i think that i've i'm always just learning better ways of explaining myself and also better ways of thinking about my own ideas um i look back at youtube videos i might have done five ten years ago and you know some of them i don't agree with now i think are very immature but i do like to keep them up there because it's a stepping stone of like how far i've come yeah i mean my first ever youtube video is still on there from 15 years ago and i'm like really tight mouthed like covering my face long hair over my eyes really shy poor lighting everything when videos were square not widescreen yeah. <laughs> um but i keep that up um because it shows progress and actually one of my favorite comments on that video was done by a supporter of mine many years later and some people think they were serious and it says something like you're rubbish i'd give this up it's never going to go anywhere and I, he was trying to make the point that I'm about to explain, which I, I loved, which was if back then when I had a few comments on that video, if I had that comment and I'd listened to it, the journey I would have gone on wouldn't have happened. And it's given me such life changing experiences um, learning about the digital space. And so, you know, it's, it's, it was a teachable lesson of, you know, not being discouraged. In terms of the band as a whole, mm. we are all incredibly open um, and, you know, we have everyone has issues that they might care less or more about but that's why we sort of come back to this idea of unity and time and connection um you know because it goes in connection with ourselves and mental health and well-being connection with the world through technology connection with nature because we are part of it not above it um and those are sort of broad values that we all stand by so like we can discuss the specifics and we might have disagreements but again we kind of this album although it touches upon specifics they are conversation starters about the values as a whole. Um, but we are, you know, being unified on stuff doesn't mean that you're always on the same page. It's just like a common understanding of, of mutual respect and compassion. Well said. It's incredible words. Going back a bit. So before Our On Your Home On Your Album, there's a track, the Simply Spectacular Vantage Point. It's an odd one for me to pull out purely because it's not a conventional track. Um, I'm, I'm, like, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you say because, funny enough, in the reviews, it's a divisive track. Some of the reviews loved it. Some of them really didn't like it. And for me, that's actually a good thing because that's already a discussion point. So I'm really curious to hear what you're going to say. Well, for me, <laughs> it was um, unlike anything else I'd heard on the album up to that point. Uh, the yep. recordings, of course, it basically left me open mouthed. Uh, I could literally describe to you, tell you exactly the point in time it was. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. I was at work on night shifts and I was listening through the album in the background and hit vantage point and I stopped what I was doing and I was like, right, pay attention now. And I basically listened to that track probably 10 times in a row before I moved on to the rest of the album. I absolutely blew me away. Wow. But after obviously hearing the full album several times through and then taking in every other track, I kept coming back to Vantage Point because I was constantly wondering, what were you aiming for with this track? <laughs> so Vantage Point was the last track written for the album. Um, when we came out of the studio, we'd actually written, I think, four or five tracks. Uh, one of the tracks was um, As Clouds Gather and Voices, which we then split, obviously for single purpose, you want it to kick straight in with voices. Um, and then we had three tracks that we'd done on a previous release, which we'd taken down and had redone production wise because it fitted in really well. 
one of them being our only home actually and it goes back to what we were saying earlier that a lot of people hadn't heard of us so we were like you know the fans that like those tracks back then are going to be totally fine with us putting it in a bigger context mm. um and uh it, and actually it's not actually unfamiliar for bands to do demos and then to have that as a part of a of Absolutely. an album um when i think about it but um that was all and then we were like actually these three tracks can go with it and it felt like it was missing just one more track and so me and hugh and this is when the pandemic was happening and we were isolated um hugh had come up with this um instrumental and was like what do you think and i I was really moved by the music. I like I like the progression of it. It was simple. I'm someone who's a huge fan of electronic dance music. I love atmospheric music. Um, when I'm working, I listen to a lot of instrumentals with like quiet piano or string pieces or all that sort of stuff. And we just had a discussion about it. And um, I think it was Hugh who discussed like, you know, we could have some kind of quotations within yeah. this. And I went away and I just did a bit of digging. A lot of the the people on it I'd already known about, um, and um, Jim Carrey's on it. Yeah, if you recognise the voice, yeah, he's he's known to give some absolutely remarkable speeches. Um, and we were just playing around with it. And to be honest, um, you know, when we did the first go at it, me and Hugh had a bit of disagreement of what we were trying to get from it. Like in terms of like, is there a narrative or is it just more of a mood piece? Um, and we just had conversations about it and we decided that as sort of this middle piece in the album, it would be good to basically step away from this planet Earth that we're on, you know, yeah. with all this stuff happening, this connection and the, the, the pale blue dot, the famous Carl Sagan piece um, just seemed like a great opening. But then we didn't want it just to be about looking at her from a distance. It's like he talks about, you know, everything that's ever gone on. So let's talk about that, you know human beings we have fears we have anxieties um there's fights for injustice we have malala on there who was talking about you know um we appreciate the light when we when we are in darkness um and uh you know martin luther king jr um with his speech around vietnam um lots and lots of uh, of voices and so there was a lot that didn't make the cut and it was a lot of playing around but we wanted something that just was moving yeah. Um, and, you know, again, wasn't dictating anything, you know, there, there is disconnects and, and actually funny enough, one of the reviews we've had says, um, it, it was like, it was, a, it, it was, it was, there, there, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a criticism, I don't think, but they were just saying it's like, you're, you're creating a false narrative from pieces out of context, which oh. I actually agree with, like, technically, oh. technically it's the narrative isn't what those individual people were playing into. But that doesn't take away the meaning that you've got different people who are significant in moments in time, all these like pressure points in society. And so when you take a step back from the planet and you see all these conversations going on, it's like, wow, there's a lot of reasons to be, to be hopeful. And that's what it is to have a vantage point. So um, I both agree with what they say, but say, but that is that is the point. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Um, you know, one of the things that works mostly for me as well is, is your choice of positioning, uh, because it seems like that could have potentially gone at the very end as an outro, but it's choice of positioning halfway through the album. Um, it is, it's a stop moment for me. It was a stop moment for me. But again, again, I find that really interesting because my, once the album was done and we, we had the ordering in place, my only concern about the album and fun, I feel I'm glad that we went with it because of words mm -hmm. like yours um, I, I, I was worried that we put it in maybe like one track too early. I mean, Our Early Home should have always followed it, but I was like, 
did it kill the momentum a bit too soon? But actually, I think on it's always hard when you're the creator of because you you you've gone through it so many times and you're just seeing it as like all these individual components. You're it's really hard to take a step back and have a vantage point of like your artwork and to get a sense of how it feels. So yeah, that means a lot. No, absolutely. But I really want to make sure as well, it's clear that that Vantage Point is a special track in itself, but there are obviously throughout the album a ton of special tracks. And I now want to touch upon the other one that kind of jumped out at me at the time. And you have already mentioned it. It is Pain Unknown. Lyrically, this was a very effective listen. So what, what can you tell us about the lyrical content and what, again, was the aim of this track? Sure. So... Um... I don't want to speak too deeply about the lyrical content because it was Luke Wright who had um, written it and um, it was from his own personal experiences and I feel he'd, he'd speak better to it. But what I can say is he'd, he'd written um, a piece of poetry based on a, a relative that had passed away and that became the starting point uh, of this. And so we had this piece of music. We knew it was going to be very Luke heavy. Um, and in the writing process, um, you know, although I write the lyrics, the way we actually start is we get together with demos of the music and Luke and I actually freestyle over the music to get melodies and the sort of the, the rough growly stuff that I do. And then once we've got rough stuff like tracked, I then sort of have a sense of the syllable structure yeah, and, okay. and it's not concrete. It's like, I'll go away and like, so, so when I'm writing the lyrics, it's in the context of like, not just how does the music feel, but how does it vocally feel? And then of course, then when we start recording that, we might make additional changes, but that's that's the the, the writing process. With this, it was clearly gonna be a, 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 a dominant Luke track. And mm. so we felt it was a really good opportunity to let him take the lead with it. And um, it was a beautiful piece of writing. I think him doing spoken word was new. It was a new thing for him. And with this album, you know, there's a lot of things that have been built on what we've done before, but we're always willing to try new things as well. And um, I, I think as we're getting towards the closing of the album, it's it's good to have one of those more reflective things before you sort of hit it big again with like horror show at, at the end. Yeah, of course. Um, it's good to know that as well, because I think I imagine a lot of people like myself will, when they first hear Pain Unknown, probably go out of the way to try and go, well, that's a piece of poetry. Where the hell is it? What's it rolling? And as if there's some sort of familiarity and try and find it on the internet as if it's a piece that is widely available, but it's, clearly it's not. It's not, but there's, there's no reason why we can't. And, and I would say to anyone, you know, uh, tuning in that um, if, if people have things that they want access to that we've written, like if it's lyrics, I mean, we all have intentions of posting the lyrics of everything, but like doing it as a nice yeah. post and stuff, you know, that is stuff that we definitely have an interest in doing. So yeah, we, yeah, we'll definitely look into that. So how do schematic theory balance uh, issues that you guys as a group have, say, with social media, online personas, the disconnection that comes with that, with the fact that you have to take part in that world, particularly if you want to get your band name out there? Um, so a rule that I've always lived by myself and I try and tell people when it comes to mental health and how you conduct yourself with social media is whenever you do something online, always make sure it's with an intention. And so what I mean by that is I deleted Twitter off my phone, I think about five years ago, also Facebook, some, one of the best things I've ever done mm. um, because I'm now not drowning in just constantly scrolling. I use it Instagram, which people can argue is just as bad. Um, but um, 
when I want to use Facebook or Twitter, I have to come to my computer, I have to log on and use it to you have an intention, like I'm going to post something or I'm looking for something. Yep. If it's on my phone, I'm just going to be constantly drowning in it and all the noise. Um, and I think when I used to be more of a public figure, it, it, it started wearing you down. And right. you know, I care a lot about what people think and I hate being misunderstood. And the internet is all about being misunderstood because unfortunately, and, and again, it's something else we deal with on the, on the album with um, like the track Prism is we live in this status economy. Um, people are constantly trying to build themselves up and tear other people down. And also 90% of communication is body language, yeah. tone of voice, facial expressions. You know, around 10% is just the content of what you actually say. And so that 10% is 100% of Twitter. Um, so is it any wonder why people can be so cruel? Um, and so, yeah, I think that's how we conduct ourselves with um, the band and things we do. Um, you know, we um, make sure that we're going out there touring when we can. You know, we do rehearsals. We spend quality time together when we can. But that we're very economical with our time. You know, the internet is an infinity machine. There is always more you can do. And as we're leading up to the launch of this album in two days time, there are hundreds of ideas going through my mind and I'm having to tell myself to shut a lot of them out because there isn't enough time to do them all. Um, but there'll be time in future. And so, yeah, we've, we've been very strategic. Different members of the band have different roles. Um, so Hugh is more around logistics. He's sort of gig booking. Um, organizing us when it comes to practices and making sure we're at the right place at the right time. Uh, Josh, our drummer, he is all in charge of the merchandise and running of the website. Uh, Mario, he is running our social media platforms. So he's the one that responds to DMs and just, he's a really lovable guy. I mean, we all are, but like he's, <laughs> he's especially nice. And so, you know, he, he gets to chat with people and answer questions. Um, Luke is more about outreach, so he will actually, you know, engage with the communities. So Mario is more about when people come to us, uh, and Luke's more about going out there. And then because of my background um, as a content strategist for 15 years, I'm the one that um, is sort of involved when it comes to music videos in terms of talking about the treatments. Um, I edit the promos, whether it's photos or videos, and I come up with the overall content strategy as well. But at the end of the day, no one has a monopoly on good ideas. And so yeah. although we have these roles, um, we're all open and we're constantly having conversations because um, we're going to need each other's help at different times, Like especially uh, today, our only home, the music video, we just did a shadow drop of it, but it's not just, you know, posting the promos on all the platforms in all the formats, whether it's TikTok or it's on Facebook, it's also changing the banners on all your accounts, you know, and some stuff you can schedule, but a lot of it has to be done manually as well. And so you need people all hands on deck because sometimes, and it hasn't happened today, but I'm just saying sometimes things go wrong. And when things go wrong, you need to be on it. <laughs> yes, yes, you need to be there. It can't be something you're just doing on the on a tube journey, scrolling through your phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Losing the connection, yeah, just as something's gone wrong is a horrible feeling. Yeah, it's crazy as well, because of course that's one thing. And then in two days' time, the big thing happens and then yes. it follows that, really which is always an interesting time and particularly to talk to artists because we can't really talk about definites anymore. And it's simply this 2022. You have a few dates in March and later in the year on your website, I've noticed, but basically it's more about hope and desire. Are you hoping and aiming to have a busy remainder of 2022 in regards to getting out and playing live? 
For sure. I mean, yeah, in March, our, our launch tour is going to be really, really good fun. It's going to be great to get out there. We're playing a few shows that we played in November yep. um, last year. So we're really excited about that um, because we didn't get to play a hometown show in Reading. We're playing in Bracknell, which we're really, really excited about. Um, but yeah, in terms of the year, I think, you know, we, we are definitely hopeful, but I think it's just been such a big build up to this album. It's kind of like it's tunnel vision at the moment. I mean, we are looking beyond it. Um, but at the moment, it's like a part of it is kind of depends what happens. It depends how it's received. I mean, the reviews have been really interesting. Um, and, um, you know, the exposure we're getting, we're getting a lot of people checking us out for the first time the last couple of weeks. I think once the album's fully out, it gives people a chance to sort of live and breathe our music as well. Because yeah. when even though singles are great and, you know, I love listening to singles and having them on replay. It's not the same as having an album and 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 having a mix. And I think because, you know, a, a lot of bands will probably say the same, but I feel that our album is very diverse because we're influenced by a lot of different styles. And so there are quite a lot of different types of tracks. I mean, New Vision, for example, might be not the best description of it, but I always feel that the, the music has a bit of a pop punky vibe to it. It's really upbeat. And even though it's got quite dark lyrics, um, and, you know, I, I kind of like that um, mix of it. And so I, I'm going back to one of your first questions about, you know, is it the reviews or the, the conversations that follow? I, I do think once it's out, I'm going to be so hyped about all the conversations because um, just because I come with an intention to what the, the songs are about, it's equally as, as relevant as what people's t takes are on it. Like you mentioning your, your response to Vantage Point and Pain Unknown is amazing. Like that's what connection is about. It's, it's it's not just about the person that reaches out. It's about the receiver and what they return. Uh, because I always find that, you know, the best kind of inspiration is bi-directional. Yeah. Um, if you say to someone whose music you love, I like what you do, that actually goes both ways. Or if you say to someone, you inspire me, that then inspires them because they're like, okay, I've done a good thing. I'm going to do more of it. Yeah. And um, something I've learned actually during the pandemic through um, a friend of my father, he came up with this uh, term called vitamin G, which is vitamin gratitude. And every day he tries to practice it. And I try and do it every every day if I can. And so I, I will message someone in DM on Instagram or in conversation in person. Might be a small business owner, might be a friend, a family member, someone I've just checked out a post and I'll tell them I love what they're doing or thank you for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It's far too often in life, we don't say things because we're like, they know. Yeah. But but they they, they often don't know. Um, and, um, you know, we can't say thank you for absolutely everything that good that comes our way. But just making those efforts can really lift people up. And it doesn't have to be when they're in a bad place. If they're in a good place, it amplifies that. And that can only be more beneficial for them and society as a whole. I think on that note, with those wonderful words, Miles, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. It's been fantastic. No worries, man. And I really appreciate the kind words. Like, it's just been really interesting hearing people's thoughts about it. And uh, yeah, just really buzzing for it. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on GBHBell.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there. That's patreon.com forward slash GBHBL as well as Big Cartel where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like this video, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. 
Games, horror, and heavy metal. What else is life for?